Hello, and welcome to Pod Space Nine, the last stop for trash in the Alpha Quadrant. This is a rewatch podcast for Star Trek D Space Nine, featuring two veteran viewers and one newbie. My name is Justin, and I will be your away team commander. Joining me is my science officer, Anna, with our new recruit, Jude. Jude, Anna, how you doing? I'm doing good. I I uh, picked up my like first Invisalign for, like aligner things yesterday, so I will attempt to like not lisp too badly, but like I'm sure I will some. Don't worry, they've always got me to uh, like if they went lisping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I w- discovered today because I get sent a phenomenal amount of Mountain Dew related material. <laughs> Uh, I discovered today that we have a uh, a new villain or a new a new nemesis on the internet. I see. Uh, Go on. Apparently, there is a duo called Rhett and Link uh, that I, I guess are like the internet's dads or something. I don't know. I'm like, I'm aware of their existence. Yeah, like, that's that's. I I know they re- I know they review things, and I once watched a video of them eating spicy peppers, and I know they bought Smosh at one point. I don't know. Uh, I know that they rated all the Mountain Dew products and they rated Baja Blast very low and they preferred the mango kickstart over the, the, the orange one, which by my book is two blasphemies in a row. So uh, <laughs> they are officially labeled uh, enemies of the podcast. So I, I see Rhett Link, if you are Star Trek fans and listening to this podcast, God help you, first of all. Well, yes, I'm sure you have better things to be doing, but also fuck you. Or possibly or possibly come on the show and talk about Baja Blast with us. Yeah, let's piss off. Yeah, we're just going to do a thing where we piss off like like people with more YouTube subscribers than I have lived hours on this earth. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like th- this is a case where there's no such thing as as a as bad press here. So. <laughs> frankly for as somebody who has a family member who has like who has a family member who has received a cease and desist order for a podcast <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's a story i want to hear i want to hear offline uh, yeah it's it, it is a one that legally i have to leave offline but um anyways uh tonight we are covering um episodes 12 and 13 of season one vortex and battle lines I have Vortex, so I will be starting off. This is written by Sam Rolf and directed by Winrich Colby. Man, you know, this is like the fewest amount of names we've had to introduce in an episode. Like, this is like, there's no st- there's no teleplay. There's no, like, multi-person yeah. job for any of this. Just, like, one person wrote it, one person directed it. Banger. Uh, okay, let's, not not banger, but, like, <laughs> wham, bam. This, this episode's okay. It's not great. We start off with Cork trying to buy some stolen art from a pair from a pair of mirror-adorned raider twins. Odin disguises himself as a glass to sneak into the meeting, which is interrupted by an alien named Crodin, who is Rikari from the Gamma Quadrant. Crodin tries to hold up the meeting and ends up killing one of the twins, and Odo takes him into custody. When Sisko l- tries to learn more about uh, the Rikari to contact them so he can get representation, Crodin says that his people don't have trials and they won't help him. He does, however, call Odo a changeling with the hints that he has met some before, or at least heard of them. Crodin shows Odo a piece of jewelry that has a metamorphic quality to it, which he believes is something related to a changeling. Bashir uh, does a little bit of research, finds out that there is in fact some molecular similarities. 
when Dax and Cisco go to Ricard, they speak to a very like xenophobic representative. They want Cronin back for execution as he has already been tried and convicted in absentia. Um, the Bajorans agree to extradite Cronin, which, wow, dick move Bajorans. Um, but oh, hey, the living uh, Miradorn twin wants to kill Cronin because their species has a weird thing about twins. And he's like, he was half me. And now that he's dead, uh, everything is unbearable. So I have to kill this guy. And it's like, oh, gosh. Um, Odo volunteers to fly the runabout returning Cronin to his people, which ends up using a freighter to mark their departure or to mask their departure as they leave for the Gamma Quadrant. Cronin shows Odo the Chamra Vortex, a nebula full of volatile material that he says is where he found the pendant of changeling material. As the Miradorn ship follows and pursues, they hide in the vortex, where Cronin takes him to an asteroid to hide, where it turns out, oh, he's kept his daughter in stasis. Oh, that's what he really is like being a, like a sleazy con artist about. He's trying to get his girl back. They escape at the kid and get the Miradoran ship to blow itself up by shooting a cloud of gas. Face of the possibility of turning Croden back over to the Rakar and becoming a single parent, uh, Odo decides, fuck this quote-unquote justice, and hands off Croden and his daughter to a Vulcan freighter to go back to the Alpha Quadrant. Odo, like, actually, yeah. like... Having a good, like, it, it turns out that the only thing that can, like, divert Cop Odo is, like, when he has to act, when he can learn lore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, like that's curiosity, because, Odo. No, no, I disagree. <laughs> it's because Odo is not a lawman. He's, a, he's an authoritarian. He doesn't care about law when it's not of his interest. He isn't interested in anybody else's <laughs> law just when he gets to get his jollies off enforcing it. I mean, accurate. So other people's law doesn't matter to him at all. But, you know, it is it is nice to see Odo do the right thing. I think in this case, he did the... I, I, I mean, yes, he did the right thing, but I think... He did the right thing. Yeah, he did the right thing, but I think it was only marginally... He's learning. Let me put it learning. this way. If it had been a shorter drive to the planet than to the Vulcan ship, I'm not sure which way it would have gone. Oh, no. Once the daughter was introduced and it was like, oh, yeah, that's true. starts like, listen, listen, if you if you drop me off the planet, I just want you to take care of my daughter. And, and Odo's like doing the mental calculus. He's like, how can I get rid of them as quickly as possible? I refuse <laughs> yeah. to become a parent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that man was not going to be like was, was not going to deal with a teenager. <laughs> especially from especially one from a species that he knows nothing about who just woke up out of stasis yeah yeah uh i also think I, I have a note here i'll be honest with you i don't even remember what this was about oh it's because it's from the beginning uh the beginning of the episode for a moist martinet who prides himself on his law enforcement odo is a pretty shitty constable i stand by that his whole handling of the art theft and stuff is so bad, is so laughable that the, I'm just like, are you, he doesn't really like, he's not really enforcing the law so much as just like tormenting Quark. Yeah, that, that's also how Odo rolls. Yeah. I mean, he is like, he is probably, he is, he is like suspicious of, oh, hey, some notorious pirates are here to talk with the person who is, who often deals in illegal activity. Yeah, I have a feeling Quark is, or Odo is going to turn into my, uh, my Franklin of DS9, where I'm just going to 
hate him. Assume the worst. Assume intentions. the the worst intentions. Yes. It this this will be interesting to see because like I'm wondering whether he's going to be a Franklin or whether he's going to be a Fusco. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. Uh, or whether he'll be something in between. Yeah. Because you know, like all of the characters, he does have seven seasons to grow and change. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to see that. And oh boy. <laughs> Uh, I have a hilarious quote here. Uh, Morn should keep his big mouth shut. It's something that I quoted out of the episode. Yes. Um, it's so good. Uh, to my re- recollection, I think I'm on episode uh, 17 now. And this is episode 12. Morn has not said more than half of a grunt. Yeah, that that you, so, you've got it. You've got the bit. Yes. You've, you figured it out. Yes. Um, Th- this will be ongoing throughout the entire show. Watch for Morn jokes because yeah. they are everywhere, constant. Morn even gets an entire episode. I can't wait. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really the best. Jude, Jude, do you want me to tell you the name of the episode? Please. Who mourns for Morn? That's terrific. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. I, I really look like... The the Morn bit is like truly one of the things of like DS9 has bits and they stick to them. Well, yeah. I and I'm, you you know I love a bit and I, I love sticking to a bit, so I'm all yeah. for that. Yeah. DS9 is real good at that. I have a a a I have a problem with this episode. Um <laughs> is that Odo gets knocked out? Yes! What is that? He's good. I don't know. A rock dropped on him. Why doesn't he just splash like a puddle? Or like why doesn't it ricochet like he's the Because the, because the they were out of man. CGI budget. Yeah, that really isn't. They had Whenever to use you the had... slow terminator form and that killed their budget for Goo Man. Every every time you question like why does Odo not do this? The answer is they didn't have enough CGI blood budget. They blew it earlier in the episode. It's maddening. I, I, but they blew it having Odo rock, like transform from that glass. As soon, well, okay, that's another one. Apparently, <laughs> Odo just flagrantly, uh, like violates cons- conservation of mass and energy, too. Yeah, yep. yes, don't worry about it. It's Star Trek, it's fine. Don't I, worry about it. No, I do. I do worry about it. This is this is a thing, like. Star Trek is in many ways a sci-fi show, and it is in many ways not a sci-fi show. It is certainly not a hard sci-fi show. Where does his mask go? It's 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 like uh, Star Trek is soft sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's like that is. Oh, oh, I oh I know. There's ghosts in one of these episodes that we're going to talk about in the next couple of episodes. (laughs) So I like there's a there's a goblin. (laughs) Yeah, like I get it. I'm just like. This particular one irritates me. Like, he's a goo yeah. man. He's not like a god. He's not a a spirit. He's a goo man. And he's somehow folding his mass into another dimension when he's when he shapeshifts. It makes Who the fuck knows? no sense. <laughs> I hate it. Anyway, um I had to Google where I knew Croden from, uh, because his voice was driving me up a fucking wall. <laughs> where I knew him from, and I'm curious if you guys had, if you got, if he like pinged off either of you guys as a I like I know up. that voice. I'm curious where you where you recognize if if you guys had that 
and where you knew him from because I it was not the obvious one for me. I don't remember. I like I I looked it up, but I I can't remember. Like it didn't stick in my brain, or it wasn't memorable enough for me to put down. It's Cliff DeYoung is yeah. the name. So when I was growing up, I had a VHS cassette of Flight of the Navigator that I watched so many times, I wore it out. So he pl- when I heard his voice, it immediately triggered that memory of the dad from Flight of the Navigator. And that was all, like, as soon as I recognized where it was from, that's all I could hear the rest of the episode. I'm not sure um, that I know him from anywhere. He was in a West Wing episode, and that's usually, like, when, I, when a random actor triggers, like, a voice me- memory, that's usually where mm. it's from, is, like, West Wing. But, no, it was Flight of the Navigator. I don't think I recognized him. Or at least, like, yeah. I didn't, like... He played a random congressman, so I'm not sure how many lines he had on the West Wing. Uh, he he was re- re- reasonably featured in that episode. Once I like looked at saw his picture from the episode, I recognized him. He looks way different. He's fatter and older. No, I mean I'm not trying to be derogatory. He's just like his head gets like yeah. twice as wide. So the picture he doesn't look anything the same uh, compared to how he is as Crowden. Oh, he was in he was he was in an episode of my favorite done by a lot of Star Trek people, but not not actual Star Trek Threshold. Oh, yeah. Is that the one with the weird patterns? Yeah. Like, that would be a fun, weird miniseries to do. We'd have to pirate everything for it. <laughs> um, but that'd be like a fun, like, weird one. Because it's like, it's a bunch of people that like, oh, I love to see it. I love to see him like, uh, I mean, the, the two big ones are Peter Dinklage and Brent Spiner. Yeah, oh, my I gosh. Know Brent Spiner is great in that show. I haven't seen it, actually. Ooh, that would be I I mean if we ever need to like kill time for for like a month that'd be a fun one to do. Yeah. Waiting uh, for the, the waiting for the B5 remake to come out. Gosh, yeah. Do, do a show that nobody like like that like I I'm not sure is even watchable in most places. <laughs> uh, that that's what we'd want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Jude, I I do want you to like put a pin in all of the like discussion about Odo species in this one yeah i do know that like we learn more about his species obviously we're going to learn more yeah. about his species but i'm also 100 percent certain that they're not going to explain how his like mass gets oh, folded yeah. into another dimension of course not um of course not but but like the stuff the stuff with like you know the temperament and like behavior and history of his species that's like speculated on by Quark and discussed by Crow. Oh, like the, the line, maybe that's why no one has seen your species. They're all in hiding. <laughs> I also really also, like how like transparently Crowden is manipulating Odo. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And, and and it's wild because like Odo both sees it and it, like he sees that he's being manipulated, but also he just like is like, sure, fine. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty like unable to resist that that manipulation uh, ultimately he he's too interested in where he's going where where any possible lead about his species also i want to say that one of my one of my like favorite little stupid bits from this episode is um when like bashir is discussing the the little piece of jewelry um as like this is, you could consider this to be your cousin. Real weird to have a piece of jewelry as your cousin, honestly. I mean, for Odo? Not really. 
I mean, this is a guy who's been like a duffel bag and a chair and like who seems to prefer like furniture with his shape shifting. Oh, the Miradorn. Um, oh, they've got they've got an ass forehead. They yeah, really they do. do. An ass forehead like, and a weird like almost Minbari neck, like with the weird like stuff going through it. They've yeah. Got, oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Where it's got um, the like the like it's got the like necklace going underneath the the meat like, parts. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of hate the Miradorn, like all of it. It's not like somebody goes. Oh, they're like betazoids where they have like an empathic connection to their twin. No, they, it's just, no, these just culturally, they're twins and they're big assholes about it. Like, that's what this boils down to. See, my my headcanon on it is that all Miradorn are twins. Oh, yeah. No, I, that was the sense I got from it yeah, is that yeah. all Miradorn are twins. And I like, like, I respect that. But like, he's being super <laughs> dramatic about it. And oh, yeah. Like, if someone had said something like, all Miradorn are twins, like, culturally, like, it's, you know, an enormous taboo to have your twin die and not die with them or, like, but no, nobody ever says anything like that. Yeah. They just let him be, like, a fucking weird, like, homicidal nutbag. And they just let, like, and they're just like, well, what are you going to do? just dodge him yeah frankly it's like okay we just needed a reason for some like it's you don't even need to have to think about the like the 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 cultural thing it's like no he killed your brother that is that is a legit cause for want of revenge yeah Yeah, they just had to make it star trek weird yeah they they could have done it like just as well with the klingon being like you killed my brother yeah prepare to die instead they had to make it a like weird species of the week yeah, yeah. But, and it's because they wanted him to be pirates, and we're going to get into this in, a, like, two or three seasons, but there is this current shift in Star Trek of, we're not portraying Klingons as pirates, we're portraying them as, like, honorable warriors with a whole, we're, we're like, we're going to, like, I, this is going to be, like, a thing that we're going to talk about in, like, two or three seasons about Orientalism and Klingons in the 90s. <laughs> we'll get there we'll get oh, I there look forward to that like there there is a definite possibility that we might end up comparing klingons to legend of the five rings whoa okay <laughs> I, so you're telling I me they, you're that. telling me they got a weeb on staff is what you're telling me i'm pretty sure that there's like there, there's like there's like a, a current of that and i think it's like why you don't like you see like klingon infighting but you never see like Klingon pirates anymore. Interesting. Instead, they just come up with a bunch of like different species that are all assholes and don't have like the weird honor. Don't they don't have the honor code or anything? They just are like, oh yeah, there are these weird assholes with weird uh, facial features who all fly the same ship. The Honda Civic <laughs> of the Honda Civic of the Gamma Quadrant. Yep. Yeah. With the with the like random species of the week, I always like wish that we knew more about them because like the Miradorn could be really, really interesting. We just don't have like sufficient data on them. I would not be surprised. And I'm just guessing here. This is like a a, a DS9 prediction. I wouldn't be surprised if eventually and I'm guessing season two, season three, sort of the the way that like Babylon five 
eventually kind of settled into having specific races that it did things with, DS, uh, DS9 settles down a little bit and starts establishing specific races from the Gamma Quadrant. Maybe it just sticks with the weirdo of the week, but I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing, like, getting a sense of who, like, the dominant races of the Gamma Quadrant are, and we start seeing, like, the main, the, you know, the Klingons and the so forth of the, <laughs> well, of the I, Gamma I Quadrant. I stare off into the distance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, since this is an auditory rather than a visual medium, um, listeners, uh, Justin and I were both like struggling, staring to keep a meaningfully face. at the camera, <laughs> doing their best. We will, we will find out the three dominant races of the Gamma Quadrant eventually. All right. So the the Federation, the Romulans, and the Klingons. Sure. Get away. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. <laughs> Anna's like DMing me right now to ask, okay, which one is which? <laughs> I'm guessing um, Anna hadn't even hit send. He, Justin was just seeing the 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 typing right. notification. I'm like, I don't even need to see a... I don't, Anna, like, I don't even need to type it in. I'm just projecting it psychically at, at Justin. We're telepathic at this point. Right, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's what happens when you it, it's like you, you've lost this power since you're the newbie but like because I'm we're the two we're the two vets we like we now have this telepathic mm-hmm. connection over in jokes yeah it's it's nice to be on this side of the table again yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right we got anything else we want to talk about with this uh not with this one um mostly mostly just that like i feel like this is the point where because i do like mostly like odo as a character like yeah in in the gestalt like across the entire show and i feel like this is the point where i start to actually like odo a bit um because he he does take some time not unlike bashir i think he is a character who you came up with an idea you you came up with an idea and you didn't like they didn't know quite what they wanted to do with him. And this is the point where we figured out, oh hey, this is these are the character traits that we're interested in. And like specifically, it's like, oh hey, we want him, like and one of the things he's very into is like, okay, where do I come from? Yeah. Which yeah. is like it's a it's a story that hasn't been explored. I mean, it was explored maybe a little bit with data, but like never to the extent that they're gonna go to with Odo. Yeah. Which I think is like it's a fun story, and I think there are, there are points when I absolutely hate Odo and his choices. Oh, same. But I think one thing that the show does very well is they never make him uninteresting. Yeah, he he gets better rounded overall. Yeah, that's good. Even if I like yeah. often want to like slap him with a wet fish. Does he ever turn into a basketball? <laughs> rounded. The spoilers. The spoilers, June. <laughs> no, no, rounded. Basketball doesn't exist in the twenty in the twenty fourth century. It died out of the twenty sixties as the as a result of the eugenics wars. <laughs> <laughs> we killed all people over six four. Um, all right, June, you've got battle lines. Go for yes. it. Yes, uh, episode thirteen is battle lines. Uh, in contrast to vortex. This is story by Hillary J. Bader, teleplay by Richard Danis and Evan Carlos Sommer, directed by Paul Lynch. Uh, this one took a village, apparently, as opposed to the previous. <laughs> when we were splitting up the episodes, Justin goes, I'm so thankful I don't have to do battle lines, to which Anna hey. agreed, 
uh, agreed heartily. So I'm, I was very excited and I want to put air quotes around this one to see what this episode was about. I really did not know if I was getting trash or emotional roller coaster or what I was getting with this episode. Um, the episode opens in ops where Dax O'Brien and Cisco are with barely restrained glee reading a Cardassian file on Kira, which O'Brien found in what he suspects is an intentionally badly encrypted file. Kira is in the middle of a furious tirade about their <laughs> underestimation of her threat when Bashir comes to tell Cisco that Kyle Paka has come to the station. They lead Kai to the promenade where sh she mentions that she's never been off planet before, which I'm sure is not a jinx. And she admires the currently boring view of the wormhole space longingly. So Cisco takes her, Kira, and a bored Bashir who invites himself along out on a runabout to play tourist. On the other side, in between vague religious bullshit mutterings from Kai, they intercept some weird messages and Kai convinces Cisco to follow it rather than going back and sending a probe to investigate. They find a moon surrounded by satellites, which promptly shoot down the shuttle. Kai is killed in the crash, and the rest are captured by the scruffy inhabitants of the moon, who are living in the same Trek cave set that's been in every Trek series I've ever seen. Their capturers, the Ennis, turn out to be at war with the Null Ennis, which is the dumbest naming scheme I've heard re recently, and are trapped on the you, moon. I mean, have you seen some actual wars that happen? I'm just saying, it's dumb. Their leader, Scarhead McSquinterson, I'm not learning his name, uh, explains <laughs> all this in a droll growl. Just as they are bargaining for protection in exchange for Bashir's doctoring, they are attacked and a number shot. In the aftermath, most of the group are killed, and as they begin to tend the remaining wounded, Kyle Paka returns. Everyone is absolutely befuddled, or at least all the Federation types, especially Bashir, who has found some kind of biomechanical doodads inside of her, keeping her alive. Before they can wonder too much, however, the killed Ennis start coming back to life. This artificial immortality is, apparently, part of the punishment that they have received in their banishment to the moon. The two groups were sent to the moon to fight and kill each other over and over as an example to their civilization of how not to behave. Sisko is offended on moral and philosophical level at the pointlessness of their fighting, as McSquinterson can't even recall why the fighting started, and has no good reason why they keep fighting. Meanwhile, Kira is offended by how sloppily they're doing it. Sisko says he will offer both sides transport off the moon when their rescue comes, but only if they put aside their fighting. Bashir goes back to the shuttle to figure out how this biomechanical gamuckery works. Meanwhile, Dax and uh, O'Brien are trying to do said rescue, which involves O'Brien sciencing the science, very nearly bumping into the third wall while, he, while he's about it, mentioning that he's going to have to invent the, the gibbery jab that he's saying to <laughs> Dax. McSquinterson set up a chat with the enemy leader, who has a name so ridiculous I don't need to make it up, Zlanko. He and Sisko head off for a chat while Kira and Kai talk about Kira's post-war trauma. Kira tries to deny she's a violent person, but when Kai grabs her ear, hashtag DS9 loves ear stuff, she breaks down and admits she's afraid she won't be forgiven for what she did during the war. At the shuttle, peace talks go great, and the two groups are soon slaughtering each other with shitty swords and knives. Bashir saves Sisko from a knife and tells him they can't afford to die. 
The biomechanical doodads are dependent on the environment, which makes no fucking sense. But again, Star Trek, they can't leave. Even if the locals wanted to go, taking them would kill them. So so Kai Opaka is screwed. Not that she minds. Before she can even be told this, she tells Kira she's going to be staying to try and bring healing to the two factions. Something, something, prophecy, something, something. O'Brien finds a way to beam them away, and they leave Kai behind, who promises they aren't done with each other yet. Uh, I left out, like, what I suspect is, like, the reason, some of the, at least half of the reason for this episode being, like, a woof, and that is, like, a lot of the scenes between Kira and Kai are, well, I mean, they're weighty, emotionally weighty, but also there's, they're a little overwrought, but I think they're really good at digging into, like, uh, Kira's, like, trauma from having been, like, resistance fighter slash borderline terrorist uh who is deeply unresolved ptsd about that fact um and that part was all great that part is all great (laughs) everything everything about the ennis is fucking clown shoes so, so when you were saying like you weren't sure whether it'd be an emotional roller coaster or garbage the answer is it's both yes the answer is yes Good Christ. There are two plots here. Um, I can't, There is a procedural plot here, which is the shit that's going on with the prison planet and what's going on. And the dramatic plot, which is Kira trying to reconcile with the loss with event with herself and eventually the loss of a spiritual leader. Their dramatic plot in this is great. It may be like a little melodramatic at points. The procedural yeah. plot for this is like late 90s X-Men bad. Yeah, it's it's terrible. It's real, real bad. Um, oh, yeah. It's it's some hot shit is what it is. Um, I swear to God, that cave set, I have seen that cave set in every Star Trek. Oh, it's yeah, like, absolutely. it's just unbelievable. Like, my God. So one of the... Um, the leader, uh, one of the leaders, the leader they talk with more. <laughs> oh, McSquinterson. Yeah, yeah. McSquinterson <laughs> is played by Jonathan Banks, who, excellent actor. Yeah, you, you recognize him immediately as like, I've seen him in something, but never starring in anything. And the answer is Breaking Bad. You know him from Breaking Bad. <laughs> like, or at least that's what majority of people listening to this will probably know him from. Um, but he's been in like, he has he has a career that has spanned forty five years, so he has done a lot. Yeah, and like yeah, never 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 a lead guy, always being a like reliably solid character actor. Which bless him, <laughs> he was given something to work with here. Yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't great. <laughs> There's a lot to love about this episode, but none of it is the stuff involving his. None of it is the stuff he was in. Right. Yeah, which is unfortunate. To be honest, this is one I usually skip, actually. Um, between like between the the procedural plot being like absolute like hot trash and the dramatic plot being a downer, I usually skip this one. And there's so little of the dramatic plot. It really is two conversations between Kira and Kai. Yeah. One of which is pretty over overwrought like so i get skipping this one 
I, I suspect there are much more nuanced examinations of Kira's trauma than this episode. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, we're going to get to one, not Nick, not next recording, but next week. All right. Yeah. There, there just isn't there. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a nothing episode, at least in the sense of just like, or not nothing episode, but there isn't a lot to really like dig in here because the, the, the interesting part of it, like, okay, we are abandoning the religious leader of people. Right. Uh, to, uh, what happened? Like, I'm so curious what it, happens there. Cause like, I know Kai does not stay on this fucking rock yeah. planet forever. So as a, as a very quick note, it's not Kai. It's the Kai. It's a, it's okay. a, Kai is a title. Okay, the co- um, uh, so you can substitute space pope. Okay, um, well I know they're not abandoning the space pope on this weird moon because I know that she comes back to become a hated character that you guys both oh, revile. No, no, this is no, the she's last gone. time she appears in the series because really? they need a new space pope. Yeah, oh. don't worry, it's it's new space pope who we are who we are like. I'm like digging my nails oh, into my arm. In that like fear makes of. sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So no, it's and, the and this is like space pope that you. So Kai Opaka, good. Yeah. Kai Win. Kai Win. Oh. We will be beating in the season finale. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Kai Kai Benedict. Kai Benedict. We do not like. <laughs> Got it. Uh, yeah. The. I think one of the things that hurts this episode for me is like Kai Opaka only appears twice. Yeah. In the pilot in this. And I wish we had at least gotten one episode in between where Bajoran politics happened. And just mm-hmm. so that we had a midpoint for the arc. Yeah. yeah. And this is also another thing that makes this episode so weird is that like, you know, we've talked a bit about like the contrast between the, um, the like procedural and dramatic plots, but also it's like a huge plot point in like many ways. And that like now yeah. the Bajoran space Pope is dead. And they need a new one. They need a new religious leader for their whole planet. Yeah. Um, so it's it's like, you know, it plays a major role in like the overall plot, which is kind of wild for like the, you a know, for what the episode, episode is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes so much more sense because the whole time I was like, how are they going to get her off this fucking rock? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the answer is they don't. Okay. Well, <laughs> which I, I think is... It's, I think, is a fun answer that Star Trek doesn't usually get or hasn't given before. Of, well, you don't. We're sort of, we're sort of boned. Yeah, the, yeah. This is like saying like Pope John Paul II got like just disappeared into in like uh, the nineties. Yeah, into <laughs> a weird forest somewhere, and they we we can't get him out of there. He's got some weird space, some weird forest disease, and now he can't come out of the forest. Yeah, and so it's like, and and I like the the thing that I don't love is that. Listen, I get it, we we learned from behind the scenes that the the network just didn't like Bajoran religion stuff. 
Instead, they, they were like, it, it's like the, the network didn't like it. The episodes typically got bad ratings when they did it. Look, I know enough about this show to know that ain't going to stick. Um, or, or like episode, like eventually they find, like they, they sort of find out that episodes, they center on it. Like the pejorative mysticism and spirituality do not do well, but they were already getting pushback about like religion in it. Um, and so, but I would have, I would kill a motherfucker for like the, what the, the, what we are going to learn is called the Vedic assembly, which is the car, the college of Cardinals relation to the Bajoran religion. Give me an entire episode of that shit and the politics that go into electing a new guy. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Because that is, that is the specific brand of history that I'm like, yeah, no, I want to one, one year when I was in college, uh, I can't, this would have been like, 2010 2011 i can't remember what it was but when there was a new pope being elected i had a religious studies course that i was doing and we were literally like news watching about the pope elections because (laughs) it was that weird of a class and it was like yeah god just like give us that for bajorans and uh, yeah no it doesn't have it doesn't really happen but it's like yeah they were like we are not interested like the network isn't interested in us telling a good story and it's like, it doesn't really work well for us. But at the same time, it's like, I care, please. I care. <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny that like the, the Bajoran mysticism stuff, like apparently played so badly because there's so much of it. Yeah. Like, it's not like it's a scattering, like there's a lot. I mean, like there's not a ton early on, but like they, yeah. they get a bunch of stuff. And I think it is, and the most interesting stuff is when they are, whenever they are able to show it as something that is different or conflicting with Federation values, mm-hmm. um, but is still considered like worthy of opinion. Yeah, interesting. There is going to be one major instance of it conflicting with the Federation, and it's shit. I'm looking forward to getting into it because I'm enjoying that part. We have our first destroyed runabout. Oh yeah, exciting. yeah. Pour one out for the Yangtze Kiang. Um, I literally, I'm like, I. This is just memory, but I feel like more runabouts get destroyed in seven seasons of seven seasons of DS9 than Star Furies get blown up in five seasons of B5. <laughs> this <laughs> might just be like this might just be like memory, but like they go they through drop a like flies. Yeah, it is a good thing that Earth has this many rivers. <laughs> Uh, Zathras, can you can you keep a, a running tally here of how many runabouts are destroyed? Oh no, we'll keep we'll keep track of that. We'll keep track of it. Yeah. The answer is one so far. One thing I I noted when I was watching this episode is that uh, it's entirely too soon after the Nagus to not think that when Kai grabs Kira's ear and makes her immediately gasp and start to cry, <laughs> that there's something other than what we're supposed to be thinking happening here. Um, I'm sorry, but this show has made ear stuff sexual. And yeah, no, when and she the immediately ear stuff is religious. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is the The, the line the between is, like, like sex and the, religion is not as thick as people would like no, it to it be. No, it isn't. It's like with the majority that's like, oh yeah, the the, the like your like the ear is where oh, like I, the paw the, the easiest access to your soul. Um and it's like it's, it's like it's reading why somebody's aura. Yeah, yeah, it's like, the, and it's why you wear it's, and you wear an earring on one ear, so it's like that you, 
that it's like you can show that you're I don't know. I don't remember really like the specific thing about it, but it's like that it's like supposed to be rep- like a representation of your paw a little bit. Totally into it. Get yeah. it? I'm just saying we just watched yes. <laughs> we just watched Quark get an ear job and the Nagus get ear jobs and now Kira gets her ear grabbed and l- looks remarkably like something other than religious ecstasy is happening. And I'm just saying they those two things are are playing very close together uh in in the sort of mental space of the show so well if you're interested in bajoran mysticism we are going to have i know before i do my transition is there anything else that we want to cover about this one um i have well a couple of things um one is like there's a little moment where i really like um opaka giving that necklace to o'brien to give to molly yeah. that's a nice yeah. little moment i don't she has this weird like spiritual philo- like uh prophecy thing where like i'm supposed to go out here and do this yeah but well, it's the never have legit prophecies yeah because but- you that's what happens when you get exposed to orbs too much they're not yeah. orbs and like they have they have legit prophecies that do in fact come true so um, apparently hers was to go to go take a trip out into space and never come back yeah yeah all right she had to she had to pull she had to pull a sheridan (laughs) i do i do also love um the differential magnetometer oh the the yeah i've never heard of a magnet differential magnetometer how does it work and oh brian with the with the like the pure aura of somebody who's about to spend an afternoon coding i'll let you know when it happens (laughs) Yeah, looks to me, I almost expected him to look at the camera and go, I don't know yet. I'll let you know when I invent it. Like, oh my God, it was so. <laughs> the the amount of times I've had a senior tech come back to me, he's like, with the problem is like, I don't know. Give me an afternoon. I'll write something for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I felt there have been a couple of episodes already where I have felt like O'Brien is my soul on this show. Oh, yeah. And oh, I, yeah. I, that he's, was he's one the everyman. of them. He's the everyman character. Well, not just the everyman character, but like he is anybody that has ever worked in like a technology <laughs> or like a, a field like that where you're the, 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 the person who writes code or fixes things or builds things and is just endlessly put upon to do that task. And I, yeah, Christ. there's a certain, there's a certain like, verisimilitude that like O'Brien brings to that role with a world weariness and with how the role is written mm-hmm. that like no other engineer in Starfleet gets. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they definitely, weird. they definitely had someone who was in it at some point in their career writing on this show. I would put <laughs> every dime in my fucking pocket in my wallet, in my bank account, in my mortgage, that somebody on the writing staff worked in worked in IT because the it's just too close. It's just it's, especially it's that every like all the little things. It's just so yeah. good. Yeah. Justin, I would like to have a very brief headphones moment. Yeah, sure. Go for it. Uh do we think the Dominion set up that planet? Um, it's asshole is enough. It's asshole yeah. enough for a Dominion like thing. Right? Like that that sort of like that sort of like torment seems very Dominion. The only thing that I don't, you know, because it's like the only thing that makes me think it isn't the Dominion 
is that they don't have anybody up to like check on it. Right. When we get to the quickening, we will, like, they don't check on the quickening or anything. Right. So. Right. Exactly. Like, this reminds me of the quickening a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I, I had never picked up on that before. But yeah, no, I mean, it's one of those things that it's like this, like, the Dominion isn't even something that they've thought of yet. Like, right. Or they're not right. playing out on the show. Um, but yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense, actually. As like, if you, like, if you want to backtrack, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I, I think that's an interesting, like, idea there of it, of it being like a client, like, these are two, these, these, these two factions are part of a client state of the Dominion that, like, were causing too much trouble. And they were just like, fine, fuck you. you you're going off into this planet here. Go enjoy living hell. Right, because, right. frankly, we've sent in the boys one too many times, and you're still being a pain in the ass. Right, and, like, and the level of technology and the, like, the type of technology, too, feels very, very Dominion. Yeah. W- good pickup. I like that. Yeah. That, that's a fun, that's a fun thing. I, I, I am incorporating that into my headcanon for this episode. Excellent. Excellent. Love it. For a second there, I thought you were giving me a Jamie Tart signal that I could put my headphones back on. <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I, I was method acting. Uh, <laughs> um, no, that was, no, Anna had a very fun insight that you could listen to in about like two seasons. Uh, Noted. Um, we got anything else for this? No, I, I think, don't think so. I think that wraps us up for this ap- for this episode. All right. So if you like our talk about Bajoran spiritualism, we have something similar to, but not quite, in our next episode. We're going to be covering three episodes. Those are going to be episodes 14, 15, and 16 of season one, The Storyteller, Progress, and If Wishes Were Horses. Until next time, just keep circling. Keep circling. Just keep circling. Just keep circling. Yeah. Just keep circling. Just keep circling. Just keep circling. Just keep circling. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share-alike no derivatives license.